0: It's a Bruins post game podcast here on com. I'm Ken Laird, DJ Bean, Bruins reporters on the line. It's actually not a post game at all. This is a Monday night. It's like a Monday skate somewhere in the nether regions of.
1: Which makes it post game. It's just that. It's, <laughs> yeah, true. It's post. It could be post-any game, just a long-ass time post, but yeah.
0: Podman, Rush, Brunch, Some it's some combination of Bruins. <laughs> duck. It's one of these things. Uh, no, we have a lot to talk about, DJ. We, you and I uh, didn't connect last week, and then uh, you guys, of course, had Sunday Skate uh, Sunday morning, which was excellent and available. All were fine podcasts are downloadable, but Bruins coming back from the West Coast, sort of. They get the Rangers coming up on Wednesday. The standings after this three-game skid have all of a sudden got very tight i uh, be curious to uh, get your take on uh, panic button time or, as I was trying to spin it, I guess, during that Kings game, which they actually had some good moments, maybe this is just beefing up, building up uh, your chops a little bit for the stretch run and uh, they'll they'll benefit from playing some tough teams on the West Coast.
1: Well, maybe, but they, they can. They needed to get points out of that trip because uh, I wouldn't say it's panic button time. Certainly not with the, the fact that you lost those teams. Like, those are... Better teams than you. You're supposed to lose those games. Now you, you hope that you can get be motivated enough to to take some points out of one of those games. But I think that the fact that they lost to those three teams, yeah, that, that it happened in a row and that they basically went to a state, lost a bunch and left, is alarming. But again, you like, what do we think this team is? Like, I, I don't think it's a very, it's a great, this is a great team. So. I wouldn't expect them to, to go in there and beat the Kings and beat the Sharks or beat the Ducks. So all those games were losable. They happen to lose all three. The the bigger takeaway and concern for me is that as you mentioned, that changes the standings quite a bit, although you look at it and you say, Okay, they're three points behind the Panthers, they're they're one point behind the uh, the Lightning, they've they've got nine games remaining and the rest of these teams have ten games remaining. So it's it's unlikely at this point the Bruins are going to be able to get back in that uh, the discussion for that first seed. So that's the bigger takeaway for me. That's the bigger concern for me. Not that they lost to the Kings and the Ducks and the Sharks because, quite frankly, those teams are better. The bigger concern for me is that they aren't now positioned to host a wild card team in the first round and then maybe get to play the Panthers in the second round. Now you, you might actually get a, a pretty tough matchup in the first round, especially... If if you're you're to fall into to wild into the wild card discussion, and maybe you have to play Washington.
0: Well, right, because Detroit has a game in hand, and they're mm-hmm. three points back as we speak. They actually had a big win over Florida this weekend, and Philly has three games in hand. Although, yes. they lost their backup goalie Neuvirth, so I, I don't know. They're six points back, and that's the miss the playoffs line. So, I mean, safe to say, right? If they would stumble to miss the postseason, this would be a colossal mess after the trade deadline and going for it, so to speak, and. Uh, you know, Don Sweeney put under the pressure a little bit by some of the fans who wanted them to sell. Uh, that, that would be—I I don't know if oh, yeah. you could describe it, right?
1: I mean, there. So the point I was making yesterday on uh, on the skate, as we call it, it, was that they're closer to being a wild card team than they are to a first place team. So, uh, like uh, as we were saying earlier, maybe not time to, to freak out about it, but uh, a collapse could happen. Mm-hmm. If I mean, if. All you have to do is lose the games, and that's, that's pretty much the recipe for a class. But if they were to fall completely out of it, and I don't think either of us see that happening. But, yeah, that would be worse than, than last season. I mean, yeah, the the roster for this season was worse to begin with than last season. But last season, the Bruins were also kind of dealing with injuries, and they didn't have a backup goalie. And Now, this is a team that went out, and as you said, Ken, they bought. They said we're going to make the playoffs and so we're going to try to win two, three rounds, not just one. And if that were to completely fall apart, then that, that would just be that would be a disaster. Worse than last year, but you can't really fire the GM after just one year, so you can't kind of make the same, you can't have the same reaction. Although, you know, maybe they turn to the coach in such a situation, which would be silly, but you know.
0: Well, I don't know what's the most frustrating loss of the bunch. San Jose, they had a chance. They had a 2 on lead right after the Erickson Shorty. Yeah,
1: that's so the short answer for me is that one. It's that one,
0: yeah. I mean, the Kings, I think they played yeah. really good hockey for two periods. Problem was they just got off to such a poor start. They couldn't dig out of the hole.
1: Yeah, so, so that's why, I'm again, you don't feel bad about the team and you don't say, oh, well, see, this team sucks because they went out and they, they lost to, to these teams. Like, I expected the Kings, who were not playing on a back-to-back, to beat the Bruins, who were playing on a back-to-back, And the team that they played the night before was also really, really good in the the Ducks. So the Bruins, having to play the Kings a night after playing the Ducks, the expectation is they're going to lose that game. And I don't think any of us were surprised when they did. Uh, The bigger surprise for me was, as you said, they were able to kind of dictate the play for a little bit. You would think that ideally you could steal points in that situation, but they weren't able to do it.
0: One of the weird roster decisions that Claude had was to dress Tyler Randall back-to-back games, the Anaheim game, and then he gets back in there for the Kings game. He scores a goal, so it's tough to rip it, I guess. Uh, do, do you understand why, uh, alternating Hayes and Conley getting benched on those two nights?
1: Well, I'm actually, I'm writing about Frank Vitrano right now, and uh, part of it is that you'd think, all right, so if they're to call up this guy, then one of the one of the youngish wingers has to fit, right? And that's Hayes, that's Conley, that's Ferraro. Uh, and you think Ferraro's safe because he kills penalties. Uh, Hayes is on the second power play unit, but second power, power play unit hasn't scored a goal in 14 games. So I don't think anyone on that, I don't think that's enough to keep somebody in the lineup completely. But then, as you said, Ken, <laughs> enter Tyler Randall, who should be expendable, but he won't go away because whenever they do play him, he scores a goal. He's got six goals in twenty-seven games. A shooting percentage of point three three. <laughs> so if he puts the puck on net three times, it's going in one of those times. Uh, I understand why they would put him in because the Bruins are a they're a quote unquote grit oriented team. And Randall's a big guy. He's got sandpaper to his game. And if they, they feel that the guys they've got down there, Hayes, Conley aren't performing, they can say to themselves, well. Tyler Randall can also come in and not perform, and he can bring other things to the table. I still would rather have Hayes or Conley in the lineup over Tyler Randall, but to answer the question of do you see why they would do that, I say yes because even though I might not always agree with the way they think, I kind of – we know how they think, right?
0: Yeah. The schedule coming up this week, Rangers, then Florida on the back-to-back at home, then at Toronto – and they'll get two days off. They actually get two days off before the Jersey game and the Blues. So that's not bad, I guess. The schedule makers—that's you could you could do worse, right? Looking ahead to the final nine games here.
1: Yeah, and I mean for me, the the one I look at obviously is, is Thursday against the Panthers because, as we were saying earlier, it's, they're going to be really hard pressed to get back into to potentially trying to win the division. Obviously, a win against the Panthers. In regulation would be a big step towards that, but even then, with Florida still having a game in hand, uh, you see how things shake out with this Rangers game Wednesday. Maybe Florida's already added to that uh, lead in the division by then. So, a, a lot, I think, we're going to have a much better, uh, a much clearer idea of expectations for the rest of the season come Friday morning.
0: Let me go back to Vetrano, uh for a second. Uh, you're writing the piece about Frank Petrano. Does he, how frustrated must he be? And are there some people within the organization that think he should be in there? Is it you know is it a Cloe Julian's not letting it happen? But some people see what he's doing, and I, I wonder how much internal conflict is going on there.
1: No, I mean I think they all know it's a, a viable option, and they, they're probably deciding whether or not to do it. The issue is, I mean, as I see it, this team decided veterans, experience. Sit down, Colin Miller. We're playing Kevin Miller. Sit, stay in Providence, Colin Miller. We're going out and we're getting John Michael Lyles. Move down in the, or stay in Providence, Frank Petrano. We're, we're trading for Lee Stepniak and we're going to move Brett Conley down to the fourth line. So everything to this point says that they believe in going with experience for this stretch run. If they were to call up Frank Petrano, it would kind of fly in the face of that. So again, it goes back to the uh, understanding the way they think versus agreeing with it, I think that uh, there is a major major case to be made for Frank Ferrao being up here right now. I mean with, with the the points have been there better of late for Brett Conley, so it's not as glaring, but I mean Conley's uh, Con- i 'll say Conley's been fine on the fourth line, so he's not like a must get out of the lineup guy. Um, and I, you know my thoughts on him. I, I think he's a better player than, than people give him credit for. But I mean, obviously he he, he could be replaceable. Jimmy Hayes uh, not producing. He could be replaceable. Uh, you've only burned one of the four call ups. You can still use this one and have two more. Um, I just think that, that there's enough reason to point to that that they should bring him back up. But then again, again, uh, then again, you you say. The experience thing. He's going to struggle. He's going to hit walls. He hit a wall when he was up here. Scored four. He scored in four of his 30 games, one of them with a hat-trick, so his numbers are maybe a little skewed, uh, in that he went off for one game and was quiet in a lot of the other ones. But he was still playing his game when he was up here. He was putting over two and a half shots on goal a game. Only Klug and Bergeron and Marchand, I think, uh, put more pucks on net per game among Bruins players than he does. So You asked if he should be frustrated. I I think he should be wondering, you know, what more do I have to do with 32 goals in 32 games?
0: Right. I mean, uh, Claude knows his system, uh, uh, you know, is is better than anybody, obviously. I just look around the league at Tampa last year, the infusion of youth they had. And and even Pittsburgh this year has done it with Mike Sullivan bringing up some guys from the AHL. Sometimes you could be too experienced uh, you know, it's easy for oh, me yeah. to say, but sometimes that one young guy that's coming on and catching fire at the end of the year, that could be exactly what you need.
1: I mean, yeah, hell, what would have happened last year if the Bruins had gotten into the playoffs? There would have been so much excitement around David Pasternak and Ryan Spooner right. because they were what was going right with the team down the stretch when everything was falling apart. Like, this sensational third line that, or relatively sensational, I should say, but this this third line that was really producing because of these young guys playing with Milan Lucic that would have been a positive and something on which they would have relied had they reached the postseason. So it's a it's a great point because, really, had they moved Louis Erickson, they still would have been trying to make the playoffs, and they would have been trying to do it with uh, Frank Petrano. So I understand their hesitations that he could still use some more seasoning, even if offensively he is just toying on the AHL right now. But uh, I – See that they can look at him and say, just because he's scoring a ton at the AHL doesn't mean he's going to do it up here. I mean, God, look at the guys who have led the AHL in scoring over the years. There is no direct link between being a great AHL player and a, uh, a great NHL sure. player, sure. as you as you know very well. But by the same token, you don't want to punish the guy because he's playing well, right? You don't want to say, oh, just because you're great in the, in the AHL, you'll, you'll be nothing at the AHL level. He's done everything they've asked him to do at the AHL level, so it's you would think it would be only uh logical that they bring him up and try to maybe work him uh into this kind of rotation with guys like Hayes and Conley.
0: Right, exactly. Or Randall. These aren't uh, you know, Randall, great yeah NHL Ferraro. players we're talking about here. Yeah. Um finally, uh Wednesday, it's back to the Rangers, which brings up the drama of Elaine Vigno. Uh Marshan runs Lundquist in the first five minutes over under.
1: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, something will happen between Elaine Vigneault and Brad Marchand, even if it doesn't, like, even if it doesn't come out. Like, he'll skate by the bench, and Vigneault will say something. He'll pass him a note or, like, <laughs> something. Something's going to happen between those two. Brad Marchand is way too important to Elaine Vigneault for nothing to happen.
0: Talk to you Wednesday. Keep up the good work.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Ken.
0: DJ Bean with a new feature on Lee Stetniak at WEI.com. We'll be back Wednesday for the postgame on the Bruins Podcast.